Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today we are talking about leaving New Westminster. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, guys, it is episode 26, and today we are actually going to talk about real estate. We've we've gotten through our election episodes, um, but before we get into that, what's going on, Jer? Is, the, is, this ha- is this the halfway mark, like for if there's 52 weeks in a year, so we're halfway finished? We're halfway through through year one of multiple offers. We're doing multiple years. Have we been doing this for, for six months? I don't know if it's... No, because we had a few... We're right bonus. on the cusp. We did... We did the bonus episode, and in the first week, did we release a few that week? We well, we pre pre recorded the first three. Yeah, and then, I mean, if we're gonna go do a history lesson here, we t- yeah. we took a, a week off in the summer somewhere in there, way back at the start of multiple offers. When was the actual start date? And by the way, don't go back and listen to episodes. Oh yeah, those are <laughs> the first three are horrible. They're embarrassing. <laughs> we should do a remake. A reboot? A reboot. <laughs> <laughs> now everyone's going to go listen to them because they're bad. Well, and they're, not only are we worse, Definitely. I like to think we've gotten better, but our equipment is actually worse. Oh, it's much worse. Yeah. It was really bad. We were like, well, are we going to do this? Is this for real? Let's just kind of Mickey Mouse some gear together and give it a yeah. go. It sounded like right. we recorded it on a cell phone, just like speakerphone call to somewhere else with a microphone near that other speakerphone. Yeah. It, it was bad. But uh, let's be clear, we were at least better than that. It was better than but that. But it sounds like it. It was a little better than that. <laughs> and then we, we had, um, was it episode four that we upped our, our gear? Yeah, four is when we got the, 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 the next, equipment upgrade. Level. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I don't know if you've been following this story, but it's an exciting time. Um, there's some news stories and things like that. But uh, And I know this isn't the news, but they legalized pot today. I Is, is it midnight tonight? So I guess if no, you're no, listening it, to this no, it, now... Oh yeah! By the time this, yeah. we're we're recording this on October seventeenth, today's legal day. It's it's legal today. Like the guys at Burger King, they were definitely they knew it was legal. <laughs> you were asking the guys. Them the, no, the guys that were ordering ahead of us. Matt and I were having Whopper. Went Burger King is getting so much free advertising from us lately. <laughs> Let me just have a sip of my uh, Big Joe, Big BK coffee here. No, uh, it's legal today, Jeff. It's legal today. And it's driving me crazy, actually, because I like listening to all sorts of different forms of radio, and I flip through the channels, and I've been in the car for probably a total of 90 minutes today, and I've had to hear every different radio personality make some bad, you know, Cheech and Chong joke, or, yeah. you know, they're just, they're all... Yeah. Good, good or bad, I don't really have an opinion, other than I think it's kind of good that they've gotten... Like, there was such a stigma with it. Um, it's kind of nice that it's sort of being treated the same way as alcohol, and that it's hey, they are very similar with similar risks and things like that. Um, maybe we that's, in terms of real estate, I'd be interested to know if it's... Do, do you want to hear my favorite uh, weed is legalized joke that I can take? On the radio? No, I can take no credit for for this. This was done by a fellow uh, New Westminsterite, Peter Haw, posted this on Facebook. The number of marijuana puns on the news this morning was extremely high. <laughs> <laughs> that one made me giggle. <laughs> we 
we can come up with something better than that. You, you're not impressed not with a, Peter's? I'm not entertained with that, Peter. Okay. I've seen about five different varieties on uh, We Won the War on Drugs. Oh, yeah. I've seen those, too. <laughs> Drug, yeah. That's dr- kind of funny. Dr- drugs won. Drugs won the war on drugs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could see that being funny. You like that better than in, the number of puns is extremely high? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Oh, tough crowd. And I love puns. Like being a father and everything now. Now that you're a dad, you've got the joke book. Yeah, fair enough. And I, I think we'll probably do an episode oh, we're in the near future talking about what this means to real estate because there's a lot of implications. Sure. Like our grow ups now all of a sudden not a thing? Except well, I saw a survey that people are really worried about it. And even if it was a legal grow in their house that people don't want to buy it. And I think that goes with the long-term stigma yeah. that there's no good reason so there's going to be all sorts of things. Like for me, I hate the smell of weed. It would, be, it would be a big deal to me if I was buying a house and my neighbor sat on their porch next to me and I had that wafting into my yard every single day, right? Well, we need to find out the bank's stance, which we'll do a little bit of research on because right now, banks don't like to finance former grow-ups. And I've, I've seen some stuff going around that I don't know if it's right but that maybe you can grow up to four plants, but once it becomes five, then it's a grow up. And that, that we, we got to get some clarification. Yeah, we're going to do some research, probably. Well, definitely do some research. We'll find do some fact gathering. But and then we're also just going to take some time to think about opinions on how this affects things in condo living and strata living and, and uh, financing. There's a lot of different layers. So there's going to be an entire episode on this. Yeah, definitely. Good idea. The likelihood is extremely high. <laughs> Jeff... <laughs> Okay, there, I have a mute button on your microphone. You cannot silence me. If you hear Jeff just ra- randomly laughing through this episode, it will be him thinking about Jeff. Peter's funny one. Did you indulge one more time before you thought it was legal? No, no, I, I am not a, uh, a marijuana user. But um, Well, we're a cool crowd. So, Matt, what's going on with you? Uh well, okay, it's funny because this came up very, it, just in the last week of kind of what was going on with me and I thought it was interesting and it relates a lot to what we're going to talk about today, about people sort of getting relocated from their home and it relates to uh, our friend and colleague Eldon. Oh. El- so Eldon Whalen is, has, he, he left Friend town. of the show, Eldon Whalen. Definitely. Hi, Eldon. Uh, left left <laughs> was town. That a, was that a marijuana joke? <laughs> Jeff! <laughs> Draw, just let it go. <laughs> Uh, Eldon and his family moved out of New West, yeah, uh, and uh, and now he's working and he's been so he's he's established his real estate business in the Hazeltons, mm-hmm. and it is plural. That's Hazel not an accent. Near. Hazelton, ha- Hazelton. You're, no, you're right. You're right. But there's two Hazeltons, and and uh, Eldon has branded himself uh, Hazelton's Real Estate. Are they close enough together that you can work both of them? Of course. That's amazing. <laughs> And I've been seeing his listings, and it's amazing. Have you seen these? Yeah, it's like really decent house for one hundred twenty-six thousand or one hundred forty thousand. Yeah, yeah. We should have Eldon on the show. I'd we like to find hear a way. from him, see what that's like. So he's up north. If you don't know where Hazelton is, it's kind of I think it's what Alaska, w- Williams right. Lake, kind of. It's it, I mean it's kind of between Williams Lake and PG in Alaska. It's it's north. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we definitely could probably we could invite him on. Maybe you learn how to do one of these uh, call-ins to our show. Yeah, get a get a Skype going. Yeah, yeah. So that was just that was amazing to me just to see the idea of somebody leaving town and then what the cost of real estate is and some beautiful looking photos. Of course, winter hasn't hit there yet. Right. Right. It's a different lifestyle than being anywhere other than the Lower Mainland. 
Um, but it's uh, it's an interesting observation. I'm enjoying watching what Eldon's doing. Well, and he said a few things like because he wasn't sure originally whether he was going to set up shop as a realtor or if he was going to do something else when he got here. And he said right before he he got his license reset up that the one realtor in town retired. So he seemed like he had... It's a good opening. An opening. I would love to pick Eldon's brain about the differences of small town real estate versus versus what we're doing. I think that'd be really cool. Definitely. I want to see what it's like to get a floor plan guy in. Yeah, fly him in from, from <laughs> Prince George. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they're doing quite all the same stuff. <laughs> so we're gonna, maybe we'll hear about some of those differences. So let's, uh, let's get Eldon on the show one day. Yeah, and Jeff, I, I know Eldon listens, so Eldon, consider this your invite. Uh, get in touch with us. Um, I had kind of a weird situation yesterday. Uh, for the first time in my career, I was dealing with the same realtor on two separate deals at the same time. So I, this realtor had written an offer on one of my listings, and then in turn, I wrote an offer on one of his listings. So we each had a buyer and a seller in the mix, all different people buying and selling from each other and it got a little confusing like there were times when because you know you're just texting back and forth quick questions and i'd have to be like mm, which which property are we talking about here and and the the one thing i will say is i feel like the negotiating got way easier as soon as there was a second deal on the table <laughs> like all of a sudden there was no friction as far as uh Working with him, it, it was great. I mean, he was a very professional realtor to begin with. I, w- I was impressed with him. But there was a tone, like, once we're doing two deals all of a sudden... Um, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, yeah. The, only, the only way everybody wins is if everybody wins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's a pretty unique situation. I mean, we would do deals, multiple deals with, with you know certain realtors and things around town. But to actually have it at the exact same moment and both different sides oh yeah yeah it's weird. yeah like i had to text him about a date change possible at one point and he texted me back like which it's property <laughs> and both properties want similar enough dates that i'm like oh yeah um and then i had to double check to make sure i was right about which one i was thinking about it was uh it was, it was quite something um and and really kind of fun actually so um as matt talked about earlier we are going to get into our, our main topic shortly, which is going to be about people uh, being essentially priced out and, and deciding that instead of staying in New West and moving up the ladder, that they're moving further out of town. Uh, but before we get into that, I think Matt's got some news for us. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I got a newsflash for you, Walter Cronkite. I am enlightened. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. I found somebody shared a news story uh, on social media that caught my attention. Uh, the story is actually dated September 19th, but it's still totally relevant. And it's very relevant to our uh, topic of discussion today 
in, in certain ways. Um, Jeff, you and I talked about this when we were kind of prepping for the show. Uh, this is a Daily High Vancouver uh, article. Okay. So not the province, Danielle. <laughs> she cut you deep. <laughs> uh, it's it's by uh, Ken Chan. I actually quite like uh, a lot of what Ken Chan writes. I find that he's uh, he does real, got a lot of good in depth research and understands what he's writing about rather than just sort of regurgitating facts. And this is a really interesting analysis. The headline reads: uh, It's an opinion piece. Uh, LRT is all about Surrey's economic contempt for Vancouver. Hmm. LRT is all about Surrey's economic contempt for Vancouver. Okay, so let's break that down, because that's a whole lot of garbly gook. (laughs) (laughs) It's a long article, and if after you hear it, we're saying you're interested in reading it, I'll put the link in the show notes. It's too much to to try to get into. I just want to summarize the theme of it. Mm -hmm. He's done a really good job of pulling a lot of facts and, and some historical information, but the guts of it is that he's saying that a lot of the powers that be in Surrey, and there's no way for me to say that it's all of them, but it sounds like a lot of them are pushing for LRT. And the basis for that in Surrey is that they believe that LRT is a greater economic benefit for Surrey only. So let's start for our listeners by defining LRT. Right, so LRT is... Light rail transportation. Cool. Train. Light rail train. One or the other. We get it. Light rail, which is okay. which is then that's at ground level, and it actually intersects with traffic. It's not a standalone system, like San Francisco. Yeah, and it it exists in a lot of other metropolitan areas in in Canada. Uh, so it it somewhat impedes traffic. It gets the right of way a lot of the time, but what it does is it has a lot more frequent stops. And the reason why Surrey wants that, or at least a segment of the Surrey leaders, is that it allows for more commerce happening in Surrey, people hopping on and hopping off, rather than SkyTrain that only has, let's say, five stops. And the whole purpose of getting on SkyTrain is to get out of Surrey. So this is a more more of a competition for buses than competition for the SkyTrain. But it's in place of SkyTrain, right? When they're saying the funding is coming and we're going to put in rail service, the rail that Surrey wants is light rail. And the region, the the Metro Vancouver mayors, uh, we heard about that from Cote in our, our meetings, they want, um, or in our interview, is is more of a, a regional transit system, right? So I, I look at this as protectionism, like within each municipality, Surrey saying, well, Surrey first. We want to keep people in Surrey. We don't want them commuting by SkyTrain out of Surrey to work in Vancouver. We want them to move here. We want them to leave New West and come to Surrey. We want them yeah. to stay here and work here and spend their money here. And can they have more stops because it doesn't need as much of a structure to build a... Like, you don't need exactly. to build a full SkyTrain station. It's almost like station. a bus stop. How, how is this different than a bus? It's on a track. Uh, okay, I understand <laughs> that. I understand... Yeah, I do understand the differences between trains and, and vehicles with, with, you know, rubber wheels and things that don't have to follow a track system. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, say, like, so, for example, like, 104th is an avenue in Surrey that kind of connects Surrey Central to... Guilford, and I guess it goes further further than that, but no SkyTrain there, just buses. And it, it doesn't seem like the traffic's ever that bad. So if, if your question is, how is it different than a bus? I would imagine, so LRT stops are less frequent than buses. Okay. Sorry, and, and but more frequent than SkyTrain. So it's going to get you where you're going faster than a bus. Faster than a bus, and the on-off is faster, right? There's more doors. You, you, you see how quickly people get on and off okay. a SkyTrain versus loading and unloading a yeah. bus. Does it have Does it have to follow, like, does it have red lights, or is it... Typically, my experience with seeing LRTs is they dominate the traffic control. 
So as it approaches, hmm. the things change in favor of the LRT. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. How that's programmed is up to the region, how they do it, but it certainly can get uh, preference. And the article was essentially saying that Surrey would rather have this than more SkyTrain. That's right. It's for their local commerce, and it's not thinking about the region as a whole. And that's interesting because people I know who have relocated to different parts of Surrey, having left New West or the surrounding areas of New West north of the Fraser, go there with the intent of commuting back into Metro Vancouver for work, typically downtown Vancouver. And they want SkyTrain service deep into Surrey to, to accommodate their commute. And Surrey itself is saying, no, we don't want to encourage you to leave Surrey. Thank you for moving here stay here. I've never sold a home in Surrey to somebody who wasn't commuting for work. Like I've never sold a home to Surrey to somebody who already lives or who already works in Surrey. Now maybe we're the wrong target audience because we're not Surrey based agents. Correct. But I would hazard a guess that a big majority of people buying in Surrey are commuting into Vancouver for work. Definitely. Yeah. You know, and those people want, commuter transportation they want skytrain so this is this is really well analyzed by ken chan in this article looking at the perspectives and how why surrey is pushing for this and that to me is a really really big reason why now by the time a lot of people hear this your opportunity to vote in the municipal election has passed but choosing your leaders in your municipalities right now is huge because the regional transportation plans are all intertwined and how your municipal leader wants to engage in that makes a big difference on your community that's a whole like yeah, it's a long term vision type type planning. I was thinking that LRT was a connection they were going to be doing to like Langley, um, to get people connected to the SkyTrain and then out, not as a like a little interlink. Well, well, certainly if that's where the route they go with LRT, it'll get you to the SkyTrain stations, but it's going to take you certainly longer to get from Langley or. Um uh, Clayton and some of those other areas, right? So those people are still driving. Well, well, they're 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 likely going to connect. They're hoping probably to connect to an LRT close to home, and then have to go and transfer onto a SkyTrain, you know, over on the outskirts of Surrey. But the preference, obviously, for them is to get on one train, stay on the system, and get to downtown Vancouver. Transfers are not what people really want. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so I will put the the link to the article in the show notes. Uh, it's got a lot of detail. It overlaps maps of the greater or, or Toronto and Montreal, not the GTA, but just Toronto itself, and shows how it's the size of all of Metro Vancouver, just Toronto. Mm. You know, and it says like we need to get together, we need to band together here in our region because we are too many small municipalities. We got to be working together, and we heard about that from from uh, the mayoral candidate, Jonathan Cote, when we were interviewing him, right? He says, we got to work together. But then you get this protectionism. It's it's a weird contradiction. From Jonathan X. Cote. <laughs> Did we figure out what the X stands for? He's Xerxes. I think it's Xavier. No, no, he's told me before. And I, I think I always defaulted thinking it was Xavier, but it's it's Xerxes. It's Xerxes. Oh, so Jer was correct. Because Matt told me. And Matt's usually 90% of the time he's right. Unless you listen to episode 24, <laughs> in which case he was wrong. There was that time. It's in the time codes if you want to go listen to it. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a tough month for you. With Why don't we fact check this? And If I'm wrong, I will definitely uh, edit that into this episode. So um, that, that leads us in talking about protectionism, people moving out of New West, going to these regions and what it means for them to be there. So let's talk about what it means to be um, priced out of your community. Now you want to get nuts? Come on! 
Let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. With that money, wrong. you lost wrong. 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 Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Okay, so what we are talking about now is what is happening with everyone who is leaving New Westminster. I think Matt and Jer would both agree. I disagree. Okay. <laughs> I haven't even said my you statement You said everyone's yet. leaving New Westminster. Okay. What I think brought us up to talk about this today, I don't know if you guys are seeing this in your businesses as well as mine, but more than any other time, I have sold people out of New West where they're not, they're leaving. And, and we, I agree with that. We talked about, <laughs> thanks, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> we, we talked about people going to Surrey, but we're also seeing, I've got a lot of people who are moving out of province or moving very far north. Um, like Eldon. Like Eldon. Eldon, who, who uh, was in real estate and, and doing very well, but just could not make what his next step was work. Big gap for the next step. Yeah. Yeah, so we're we're going to get into that. So why don't we start by talking about where are people actually going? Langley. Clayton, I've heard lots of good things about. <laughs> did that you, Langley? Did you That's hear, not Langley. No. Did you hear it like five minutes ago from Matt? <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's, it's, it's really annoying. And it's not annoying because our clients are all great people. But um, your business model is the new West guys and... And these and great people, and you want to be able to find them a townhouse. Like usually, it's it's people. You know, we may have sold them a place down on the key or what, what have you, one bedroom apartments, and then it's hey, we want to have a baby. This one bedroom apartment's not going to work, and the townhouses don't exist. There's few three bedroom apartments, but most people don't want to go apartment to apartment, yeah. regardless of yeah they, that, whether it's a three bedroom or not. Um, and certainly the houses are, are, are really out of reach for those people. And they want another young, sort of vibrant, up-and-coming neighborhood. And they usually land uh, mostly because of price point, but they, they'll want to go to, to Langley. That, that's the part of the equation that's New West specific, too. Like, all of the towns in Metro Vancouver have people who are leaving the Metro Vancouver area in larger numbers right now than any time that I've been in real estate but what New West's specific problem is, is we don't have enough townhomes. There's a lot of people who maybe even could afford to stay in New West. Just what they want doesn't even exist. And that, to me, is the most frustrating part of the problem. Yeah, and I find it's uh, it's a difficult decision for a lot of these people when they decide. You talk about affordability for a townhouse. A lot of townhouses, let's say they, they're roughly around eight to $900,000 north of the Fraser. Yeah. And they can be over $800,000 south of the Fraser, too. just depends on what you're getting. But once they start looking at that, then they realize they think, well, for eight hundred thousand or nine hundred thousand, I do have the option to get a detached house, right? And that's often north. You go talk to Eldon and spend one hundred and twenty <laughs> grand and get a house. <laughs> yeah, and then I find that because, like you said uh, at the start of the show here, Jeff, that most people you find are, they want to commute from the Fraser Valley into sort of the downtown area. Yeah. And for that reason, I find your first question here you asked is where are people going to is, is some form of North Langley, Clayton Heights, Willoughby Heights, because of their proximity to Highway 1. Yeah. Right. I think that's kind of where it defaults for these people. And they're, they're well-established neighborhoods now, and it's pretty clear what you're getting when you go there. 
Um, but I find that that's all where it starts is they think, oh, I could spend this much on a townhouse. But if I start spending that much, I could be getting a house. The other thing, I don't know if you guys have encountered this this year. I, I've got a lot of clients who, for whatever reason, work in tech. And I've had a lot of clients, like my tech clients, move either to the real outskirts of BC or out of province. I had one move to Winnipeg. I had one move to uh, Galliano, all over the place. And the thing is, their jobs are so portable now. What they're finding is, I don't have to be in the greater Vancouver area to do my work. I can remotely do, like, they, they haven't had a change in job. They're still doing exactly what they were doing here. But now they with the remote possibility to work from home. Yeah. yeah. Even with other, other sectors and things like that, not even tech, we've noticed that they can adjust work schedules where right. I'm only coming in. If we had a client that moved to Sunshine Coast, um, you've got things like that where they're they're like, okay, or, or Squamish, for example, where, okay, if we can do most of this stuff can be handled, we don't, we leave you alone in the office anyways, you're doing your own thing. Right. Um, but come in and report once a week. So all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I've just made myself like an hour and a half, two hour commute. But it's once a week, and the rest of the time I'm I'm at home. So all of a sudden, it's it's not that that quantum leap, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Do you guys get much people going the opposite direction? I I hear all these stories of people moving to Squamish, but I've never, I haven't dealt with. We're Squamish is like is their Langley for Vancouver people. So or, you, you think people who are already in New West are too far out? But if you were in Vancouver, you might choose Squamish over Langley. I think it's more likely, a lot more likely. Yeah, you're, if school. I was if I needed to work downtown Vancouver, I'm. Yeah, I, I would. You, you might like Squamish better because of the, it's a nicer dro- like drive, maybe a little bit more dangerous, but rather than like a flat <laughs> farmland drive, a nicer, um, more dangerous drive. <laughs> it's a beautiful drive. It is. Yeah, you've got you got Whistler close by. You've got all these sort of wrecks. You know, rec facilities, rec things that you can do. It's certainly being discovered as a, a, a new acceptable option for commuting, right? I mean, Langley to downtown is probably, uh, I think, a more difficult drive than Squamish. Um, now, there's a lifestyle component there where, like, for someone like me who grew up in, like, sort of the South Delta area, to go to Squamish leaves me really, really disconnected from the friends and family who I know. Mm-hmm. But if I were to be priced out and go to the Valley, there's less of a disconnect there. It's easier to stay in touch with family and friends. Um, so the people I, I tend to notice going to Squamish, and if they're listening and they think I'm wrong, that's, that's okay. <laughs> but my observation has been that maybe they, uh, they moved into Vancouver from another area, so they don't have a lot of like really strong roots to a certain community. Yeah. So they just kind of get to cherry pick, well, what's close to where I need to work and what's a great, and Squamish is a great community. Yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, it has such an amazing lifestyle that it offers. It's, I just, it, it's a psychological thing because there's just the one road that there's a disconnect. Yeah. Whereas for, even if you're in the valley, like geographically, you're further. It could take longer to get from these points, but you have some options that sort of branch out where you have, it doesn't feel quite as disconnected, whereas you're on this one road and kind of up here in, in the mountains. I mean, so that's one option going north, mm-hmm. right? And then obviously we talked about in the valley. And it's strange because it used to be a few years ago that crossing the river to Maple Ridge Pit Meadows felt like a leap. You know, it was it was something separate. It was a big difference to go to Maple Ridge, a big price difference. Abbotsford is the new Maple Ridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, the uh, the idea now behind Maple Ridge Pit Meadows is not is not anywhere what it used to be. It's become a community unto itself that's quite strong and vibrant, and prices are strong there, and people are are quite easily and willingly just crossing over from New Western Coquitlam and going Boop, Maple Ridge Pit Meadows. No big deal. Yeah, I feel like it's a bit of a. a- a unique situation in the U.S. too. Like if you were in Coquitlam, you would have options to, sure. okay, I'm in a condo maybe around Lougheed Mall or something, going to a, a townhouse in Port Moody. It's not like a big stretch, whereas we don't even have the townhouse for them. People cycle around the Tri-Cities a ton. Sure. Like yeah. I'll, I'll, I, twice this year, I've sold people who wanted condos into townhouses and their move was they owned condos in Port Moody, they sold them, and then they moved into townhouses in Coquitlam. Both, both couples yeah. did the exact same thing. But Port Moody is just enough of a little higher price bra- bracket yeah. and Coquitlam just a little lower that, you know, ha- having a few years having passed since they bought, they've built equity and they can make it, they can make it yeah. work. And that's not too much of a change. No physically from where they were it's not like new west to langley no and some people are gonna hate me for saying this but it's all kind of the same it's not like there's a big difference other than maybe like the newport like some of the new stuff around like lahani and things like that but but like poco to pit meadows like really what's (laughs) (laughs) send your feedback to feedback at morealestateshow.com if you're living in new west what else is like this no i want to stay in this this town here there's nothing around us that is like this. I think Port Moody has a real identity too, but with the move out of Port Moody to Coquitlam, you're still close enough that, like what Matt said, you can still go see all your friends in Port Moody yeah. if you live in Coquitlam. It's no big deal. Yeah, you're not scaring anybody away from coming to visit you, right? Yeah. Versus the people who are renting in Vancouver and they're priced out, and a lot of them come to New West, and, and I think the reason why New West becomes appealing to those folks is the SkyTrain. Yes. We've talked about this in previous episodes, that to them, New West is a bedroom community. Mm-hmm. They, they sleep here, they get on the train, they get back into their community where they're, they're from. So that the SkyTrain aspect of New West is what makes it appealing. Um, but it's hard to bring your friends out this way. It I, drives I, me nuts <laughs> when I meet people who've lived in New West for a few years, but they haven't experienced anything about New West. That they just essentially leave their condo, get on the SkyTrain, go into Vancouver... Because there's a lot of really cool stuff happening here <laughs> that, um, that I think is worth checking out. So, well, And maybe eventually they do learn, but then they get priced out and they still have to leave. And they still have to leave. So yeah. maybe they just should never fall in love. <laughs> so I guess the, the next question is, what does the future look like? Like, does New West just become the place where Vancouver refugees end up and old New West people just get pushed out? Or do New West people have to change their expectations and they're looking at a, a three-bedroom condo to raise their family in instead of instead of a townhouse? I mean, I think a lot of people owning a house, the majority of people who were talking about moving up have already been pushed out of that. Um, that gap has gotten too big already. So I just thought of a term for this. I was okay. thinking of the property ladder. So people used to move up the property ladder yeah. within their community. Yeah. Where now it has to be a property ladder migration. Right. So I'm going to call it the salmon ladder. Okay. You're just fighting <laughs> upstream the whole time. <laughs> well, you know how a salmon ladder works? 
Um, I know how salmon spawn. Are, are we refer? Is there an actual salmon ladder? Uh, yeah, salmon ladders are either that's either a natural contour of the river or they're man-made to help salmon get upstream. So it's little shelves of land to help them. When they do the big jump, when you see a salmon jump up, right. So the salmon is jumping up the ladder to get somewhere, but it's because of the migration for the purpose of spawning. Well, I can't believe you didn't you didn't know this. Like as a salmon belly type person that you just don't know intimate knowledge of how salmon's (laughs) so just to be clear i was never a salmon belly i i love new west and i have lots of friends who are salmon bellies but i i was never a salmon belly um we did do salmon education at herbert spencer i remember learning about how they get up i i had forgotten that term um but moving on uh hold on on. no that's that's an excellent term I like your term. The property ladder migration is now the salmon ladder. Yeah, I have no, I okay. have no issue with the, so, with the term. So the salmon ladder exists because the jump from a condo to a house or even a townhouse to a house in New West is too much. Yeah. So I just think that the future is that it's going to take property ladder migration in order to do it. It's just it's it's very unlikely to be within community unless there is a drastic reduction in prices. Or you're handy. It doesn't matter. Adding four hundred or five hundred thousand dollars in in essentially value to your mortgage to go from one type of property to the next is a massive jump. But if you can do it by adding two hundred thousand dollars and adding a commute, that is financially feasible for a lot more people. So I just I just don't think it's going away. To answer your question, I think the future is migration. So are are you saying then that the idea of I buy a little place when I'm first getting into the property market? I set my roots up in a community and I just stay there that for the majority of people, that's just not reality. You're not going to just pick a community and build your life around it. Unfortunately, I don't think it is. I think you have to try to make your move before your kids, if you're planning on having a family and your kids are going to go into school, you need to make that move and establish yourself where you want to be before the kids get into school and just, just know where it's home because it's it's just going to be too hard. It's too much of a financial jump. I mean, I look at it personally constantly. Yeah. Right? And I go, I'm lucky that I got into this townhouse. And if I were to have to make the same jump today, I don't think I could afford it. I want to disagree with you so bad right now. I really want to disagree with you. Because too. it makes me sad. I, but I don't have a good argument There's, there's no way of disproving it. It's, yeah. it's terrible. Um, yeah. And I want to give people some other hope or advice or strategy. But Well, I, I think the only other alternative is just deciding that you don't want like that where i live matters more than what i live in and a three like a three bedroom condo isn't outside of reach for people in a two bedroom you got to work and it's hard to get there but it's not like oh that's impossible um i just i mean the economics too and i remind clients of this all the time is your however you, you long you're moving you're potentially adding length to your commute, wear and tear on your car, you're adding to your gas bill, time away from your family. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a huge parts of the economics of that moving to me. I'm, I'm just going to go to move to Maple Ridge and, and add all this time um, that I could be potentially working an extra hour rather than sitting in the car um, for an extra hour. So I, I think there's ways, I don't think it's that bleak. Um, I think there's ways of making, making it happen. I think maybe people, if they are buying and, and it does help if you're coming from Vancouver, um, or just getting a better job. Maybe maybe that's the answer. Getting a raise. No, but uh, but how how is it not bleak? How can you? Who who has the? It's type, always been like this. This isn't a new phenomenon. Not adding four or five hundred thousand dollars to go from one property so, to the next. No, I don't think that's accurate. If somebody's sitting in a two bedroom apartment in New Westminster, they can't buy a townhouse. 
That's a bad example. <laughs> the, the, yeah. So the, sorry, there's a the, there's two separate problems, right? There's the New Westminster doesn't have the middle piece, which is a completely separate problem than the jumps from each price point have gotten for like the gap. There's is a middle piece for sale right now for for eight fifty, and so somebody selling their apartment for six hundred. Probably not six hundred. They're probably five fifty because they bought an entry level condo. And I, I would say that five fifty or even six to eight fifty is a pretty big gap for your average two fifty to three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, fifty percent of the value of the home you're currently sitting in. Yeah, that in itself is a big gap. And then if you're in that townhouse, you happen to be in one of these townhouses in in New West, or maybe it's Burnaby or part of the Tri Cities, and you want to go to a house that's one point three, one point four million dollars. Yeah, the the townhouse to house gap is even bigger. And there was this weird point in the year where the the gap was actually really not that separate. And um, well, if we're talking entry level house, because yeah. when, when I say one point three, it's not like you can't buy a house for under one point three. You can, yeah. But that house is is going to bring with it a lot of headaches. Yeah, I just mean there there was a point in the year where houses were really down. It was just this weird little moment in yeah. time where. Houses, an, an average entry house was about 1.2, and some of the nicer townhouses were selling for 1.1. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. Right, <laughs> like, right. Yeah, it didn't last long. No, though. it did not. No, no, I kind of figured it was going yeah. on there. So I just, I, ha- I have a hard time looking at it and giving people hope that they can stay in town just financially. There's got to be some big changes in your life. Yeah, to be able to make that that move, and and that's why consciously our family has said we are staying in the townhouse. We're not trying to add half a million dollars in debt here. Um, and to Jeremy's point, short commute. Like my wife is incredibly close to work. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously close to work. The lifestyle component is fantastic. We do miss out though on not having a garage for some of the stuff that we like to do. You know, bikes coming and going, and spending some more outdoor stuff, or having a yard because one of my kids is a, is really into sports, and we can go out there and be working on stuff instead of having to pack up and go to the park. There's certainly we're taking some concessions. Now you are a block away from Queens Park. Yeah, but it's a big deal. It is different. <laughs> I know. I just remember when the agent who had your home listed uh, was talking to you about this property. It was you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it totally was. I remember saying to you, Queen's Park is your backyard. So was I full of it? <laughs> it and you can say yes. <laughs> That's okay. I still believe in that statement, but it is a very different it's lifestyle to yeah. just take four steps into your backyard. There's the ball. You pick it up. You knock it around for a few Especially minutes. Especially with the dogs, too, I guess, huh? Yeah. So, yeah. so everything is... Uh, okay, gear up. Did you go to the bathroom? Because we're leaving. Okay, yeah. Get, okay, and then you got your stuff, you got your stuff, now we get up there. And if you play for 10 minutes, that's cool, but there's still 10 minutes of commuting time total, right? It is yeah. five minutes to get there and five minutes to come back. So, you know, just those short little intervals that, that I, I sort of lived with growing up. You know, my brother and I would go outside and play pass or me and my dad or whatever, well, right? That's the biggest thing, I think, about all of this is no matter what, we have to detach ourselves from I can give my kids what I had growing up. Like I, my dad's yeah. home is in Queens park. I deserve we, a house in Queens park. We, <laughs> Detach we, yourself we, from that. We grew up there and the lifestyle that I grew up with is unattainable by me and the majority of people who, um, the other kids I grew up with in Queens park. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And either, even if I move out to get a bigger house, now I'm way out there. I'm not, it's still not the same experience I'm giving 
giving my kids. Well, your kids, though, will still have all of their friends and everybody who they make in the community right around them. Totally. They're going to wander around the block with other kids on the street, yeah. and they're going to you know, run from one front yard to the next, and they're going to have that experience. Yeah. Just, just not you, Jeff. You're going to be doing yes. a lot of driving and not seeing them so much, and that's, that's Suburban Dad uh, you know, 101. Uh, that's that's kind of what it looks like. So people make that decision and they decide what's more important to me. And I'm noticing there's some people more important to them is that house in a yard and they want to try to give that to their kids. We've accepted that doing that, accomplishing that in New West is is really not a very likely scenario. But there are people who say that is a top priority for me in raising my family. And that's why they're leaving last New Westminster. Yeah. What One thing too that's really interesting to me is all three of us had started our family before this massive shift happened. Yeah. I'm very curious if this continues, how that affects... Like, my siblings are all about 8 to 12 years younger than me. Uh, my my sister uh, got her first place. Her and her boyfriend got their first place. Um, they are not married. They don't have kids. But let's say they decide to get married and have kids. Does this affect decisions as far as... Well, I can stay in the city, but I can maybe only afford to have one kid and and do it. Like, do we start seeing smaller families to accommodate? I'm already noticing that. Yeah. Families who probably would have had three kids who definitely just say two. It's a lot easier to accommodate in housing. Yeah. Right. Now, one... Three kids in today's housing market, if you don't want your kids to share a room, is a very difficult... It's very expensive. Endeavor, yeah. You see someone with three kids, you're like, "Oh, that guy must be doing really well for himself." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a baller? <laughs> uh, and for some, definitely limiting it to one is is part of it, right? I think the the cost of living weighs so heavily on everybody's decision as they as they're developing their their future, right? If it's deciding to have a family, how big is that family? Where am I going to raise my kids? But my my biggest takeaway from this, my advice for anybody who's having a hard time is to to decide with your spouse what that is for you, what's most important. Make that decision and settle in before your kids are settled in and you feel the clutches of a community that you don't want to leave because you don't want to separate your kids from a network that they've built. Right. And Jeremy's advice to you people <laughs> is don't forget about all that traffic you're going to be dealing with. <laughs> don't forget about, cause I, no, it's gas, a good point. Is, gas is a dollar pushing a dollar 60 right now. Extra yeah. wear and tear quality of life, hating life. Cause you're sitting in traffic, cursing that LRT that just whip whiz by you. Um, <laughs> I think you can make up 1500 bucks a month just in having the convenience of being close to the things you want to be close to. And that's got to get you pretty close to where that 250 jump to a townhouse is going to be. Okay, well, I think that probably... No final thoughts from Jeff? Well, I, I, you guys have presented some excellent points. I, I don't think I have anything to add. Um, um, so does that help your client? What? Sorry. <laughs> I thought we were, we were talking about this topic because you were wondering, you want some advice for, for someone. Well, um, no, we were talking about this because it's interesting, but we do have somebody who wants some advice. So let's get into question of the week. Check out the big brain on Brad. How's it working out for you? What? Being clever. Who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show.
have a question of the week, but before we get into the question of the week, I was thinking about where to put this. We had a listener of the show write in to give Jeremy some advice. Me? Yes. So listener, listener feedback. We call it feedback. Yeah, I, I, I think this is, question of the week is the closest section to it. <laughs> so this isn't a question. This is somebody telling Jer what to do. Um, so this <laughs> was it. My wife? <laughs> no. Uh, this is from Samir Tasia, and uh, Samir writes: uh, Jer should be buying the glass for his iPhone. Only fifty dollars, and you never break the glass or the screen. Way cheaper than Apple Care. By the way, I call him Jer because I feel like I know him now. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Samir. You're my favorite fan. Um, so that's a shout out to episode 20 with Danielle. Because my, my screen broke. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to blame the child, but it was my fault. Yeah. Um, he did put in brackets, just finished episode 20. <laughs> I do have the Apple Care, and I still haven't taken the phone to Metrotown. Um, and I oh, still no. have the case. And I don't, you know, I think the glass, I think it's a, it's a single sealed unit now. And Samir could correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure Samir isn't thrown out there unless he knows what he's talking about. Um, does he build? I, does, I don't know. I'm not calling him wrong. Okay, um, so go. Cash I don't it. know if you can just buy the glass. Whatever, man. Cash in your Apple Care, and then and then just and then and then terminate it and wait to pay your fifty bucks next time you break it. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. And I've fixed. I've been fixing phones for a long time, but I just you know. So you you oh yeah, I'm looking at your phone right now. It is still cracked. It's very cracked. Breaking news: Jer's yeah. phone is still cracked. It's not a good thing. We do this once a week, and we're episode twenty six, and it was episode twenty. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I just I saw another uh, shout out to uh, to another realtor. I don't know if I should, should name him, but he had the same phone screen as mine, so I kind of felt, and he does really really well. The same cracked phone. Oh screen? yeah, we were pulling each other's phones. Like, hey, same same. Look, yeah. He's like, yeah, I know it's just not working. You were pulling each other's phones. We pulling each other's phones out. <laughs> we had our phones out. We were checking something. Anyway. Um, and we just both had, it's not every day, you know, you see another friend with a cracked screen and you're like, yeah, yeah. It's like when two Jeeps drive by. Yeah. And you wave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I got to get it fixed. I just, I kind of want a new phone now, now that you've got this big one. Oh, yeah. Well, so, so that's the advice. Thank we, you, we, we do have an actual question. And, and this actually comes up a lot. So I think it's worth talking about. Um, the question is, why can't I use the deposit? that I got on the accepted offer on my place as the deposit on the place that I buy? What a great question. Thanks. Because it, it's like a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> well, and th- this comes up a lot. Like I, I've had multiple times this year where I always check when we're writing the offer. You know, make sure you have your deposit liquid because we're yeah. going to need that in about a week. It's- and it's come up a few times of... Okay, well, we've got the twenty thousand from our offer, so yeah. we'll take that twenty thousand and add a couple more to the it, and then we're link, good. The missing link there is that it's not yours, right? So let let's explain explain how that works, Jer. You want me? Oh, um, just put me on the spot here for question so of the week. I have first a question. Got my license. We we're talking about deposit. Deposits are in trust. Trust. Okay, okay so, so Matt, do you want to uh, explain? So because. <laughs> 
People aren't going to know I'm being sarcastic right now. <laughs> I don't know that you're being sarcastic right now. <laughs> no, because it's it's just it's good faith money. That buyer said, "I want to purchase your house." I'm flashing some money in front of you. I'm about, we're about to do this deal. It hasn't actually taken place yet, but I've shown you that I have a briefcase full of money. I have some money, and I'm going to give this to a third party. Okay, okay. Your, your example here is ex- incredibly confusing to the listener because there is no briefcase. No briefcase. Okay. Of no money. briefcase. We're not allowed to accept cash. Nobody, nobody <laughs> is seeing any cash. It's we all we see the cash. No, we and then don't. we give it to Remax. It's a check that goes to our office. That is Sorry, almost like no, but it's almost like it it's doesn't like, even exist. It's being held in trust. You tell that to FinTrack. Nope. The, <laughs> neither the buyer or the seller has access to that. If anyone that can funds. spend it, Remax can spend it. Fraudulently. Fraudulently. Okay. There was a case um, years ago where a Remax agent did spend a bunch of deposit money. And one of the sweet things about Remax being a gigantic company is the owner of Remax, uh, Dave Lineker, wrote a check that day for all the money and then went after the Thanks, guy. Thanks, Uncle and, Dave. And got it. <laughs> and, and also another sort of analogy or think of a way to think of it is if you if you if something went sideways for whatever reason and you're like, okay, I need my deposit back. No, man, I used that on this other place I was buying. Like, what? It's not. It's just gone. And now you have to try and find a way to get that money back. So not yours. Deposit. So, so the basics of deposit, we've talked about this in the show before, but the basics are it's held in a trust account. Neither party has unilateral access to the money. Yes. That's the standard language of a contract. There is the option, and it's certainly I've certainly seen it happen, where you can write that there's a non-refundable deposit. And you could do it a portion of it too. Let's say it's a $30,000 deposit. You could say $10,000 of this is paid directly to the seller and is non-refundable. And $20,000 goes in trust. There, everything is negotiable. You could write it that way. Yeah, we're kind of talking about the standard way the, the a deposit The default is format is that it goes, goes into a trust account. Neither buyer nor seller really has any unilateral access to it. So you don't have that money. It's just it, it's holding each person accountable, and it's neither person's money. Yeah, and then point. it gets released on completion day and yeah. becomes part of the down payment for and the I, buyer. And I will remind people, since we're on the topic of it, and we've discussed it on the show before, that... If either party doesn't proceed with the contract, that money does not automatically flow to either person. A lot of people are under the assumption that, oh, well, if the buyer doesn't complete, the seller just automatically gets the money. Right. And let's just be clear. That is pain, not the Pain case. and suffering. Here you go. No. Yeah, no. No. Nobody automatically gets the money if anybody like doesn't follow through. Lawyers have to decide who gets how much. And Judges have to decide that. Okay. Oh, he's right. You're absolutely no, right. He's right. <laughs> Very nice words. Like it just happens oh. to be wrong. Just grew a couple okay. sizes. Dude, I mixed up some words, not facts. All right. So, so thanks for the question, Samir. No, s- not Samir's question. Samir gave you the advice. Okay. See, I got something wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're even. <laughs> All right, enough questions. You took the bait on that hard, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got to, got to give it to him we, sometimes. Let's go to Japan sometime. No more questions. Let's, uh, let's tell some stories. It's story time with Jer. Great story, compelling and rich. It's not always my story. No, it's not always your story. What if Matt has an awesome story to tell? Well, he can tell it to me or write it down, and I will <laughs> paraphrase. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. I have a story to tell that is about strata windups. Oh, interesting. I don't know if we've ever talked about that on the 
No, and that's a... They're all the rage right now. They are all the rage right now, for sure. Yeah, so if you don't know what a strata windup is, it's most common in an older development, typically built in the 70s or, or later, uh, because there's just uh, it's reached a point in its the building's life that it requires a lot of investment to keep up the building. And because of the increase in real estate prices, there's more value in just the land. Hmm. So it's a group of strata owners essentially putting the land up for sale for development. So they're going to knock it down and build something new on top. That's yeah. the plan. Yeah, and and the amount of lift, the extra that people would get over market value for their individual homes varies depending on what can be built on the site. So Coquitlam has seen a lot of uh, like three-story uh, low-rise buildings that sit on land now that Coquitlam is designated for high-rise because it's right along the North Road corridor with the, the transit line. I had a client a few years ago when this was just starting. He had a little... Um, in downtown Vancouver, he had a little one-bedroom condo that was the last building the developer needed to put up a high-rise, and he bought a house in New West with the money <laughs> <laughs> that he got from it. It was unbelievable. Yeah, so those differentials can be, yeah. you could get an, like a 15% lift, or you could get four times worth your market yeah. value. It really depends on what the future potential of the site is. Uh, the reason why it's become also become really... Uh, active in the last couple of years is because the the law was changed. Yes. It used to be that you could only proceed if you had agreement from 100% of the owners, which just statistically, that's really hard to make happen. There's always one person who is just not the right time for them. One holdout. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so they reduced that to 80%. So once they brought that down to 80%, it was a lot easier for that oh. to go forward. Well, I learned something today, Matt. And I know because you've been dealing with this more recently than me, it's a, I thought it was 75, so it's 80. 80, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah so in, uh, in hearing about some things going on in New West, I actually heard a direct story of a site in New West that has been, we know, uh, so the, the property is 65 First Street. Oh, they've been dealing with this for a long time. It's been going on for years. Yeah. And I just assumed it was really never going to happen. Something about it just wasn't going right. Yeah. So I ended up hearing from someone, and I don't know how well this is documented in the, the strata documents. Now, they do have to disclose that you know things are going to vote, and, and some offers have been put in front of them. And through the throughout the past year, um, through the spring and the summer of, of this year, they've gone through two cycles of receiving multiple offers on the property from developers. And have they just turned them down? Because that... There's complications, so I'm oh, not privy to the, okay. the specifics, uh, and I, I think part of it has to do with the market softening and declining and developers sure. changing yeah. their opinion on the value of the site. Not that they don't want the site, but the value of it, and uh, and hearing all that happening, but just hearing that it sounds like it's, uh, it falls into the category of uh, quote-unquote record-breaking values. That they've got an offer in yeah. place. yeah. Yeah, that's under review, the subjects where they're probably doing the review with the city to confirm what kind of density they can put in and that kind of stuff. And that's that's probably the first significant strata wind-up that we'll see in New West. One of the one of the big problems that I, I think I remember just through the grapevine and people just chatting was, um, and then it makes sense to me, is that if you're, you're in one of these buildings, but potentially you're... Well, we just had someone that walked through an open house that was in a similar situation in Vancouver where we got approached, but if... You know, they're first of all, do you have somebody looking out for your interest or somebody just kind of going directly? Um, but if you guys are trying to approach people, is you guys being you the, the strata, yeah, and you know that your building needs a lot of work, chances are that the person who's potentially going to buy it knows that your building needs a lot of work. Yeah, we're going to wind <laughs> up the strata, so we're going to sell the building. 
So we don't want to do the windows or we don't want to do the roof because we, we're just about to sell it and the developer doesn't care. But now the building's in distress. Now, I've asked people about that because yeah. I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. And some people who are in the know and actively involved in these windups. And yeah. they've, they've actually said, no, that's not really the attitude of the purchaser. Yeah. Because if there's more than one purchaser... You've got three or Sure, four. if you have a multiple offer, then who cares about the comps? Yeah, yeah <laughs> right? exactly. Like, they can't yeah. come in and be like, hey, man, yeah. something wrong with your house. Yeah. So this is how I justify I my low offer. The paint's chipping on yeah. um, some and, of the and facial I, I mean, we've all seen it in multiples where someone comes in and tries to justify their crummy offer. And There's like, always one. <laughs> I've got three other offers. You're not negotiating with the buyer at this point. Or yeah. Sorry, you are not negotiating with the seller. If you're, you are lower than the other offers, you're just out. Yeah, <laughs> like, you, you can't convince me. Yeah. So we should so, take this lower offer. Yeah, because yeah. you made a really good point about the driveway. He did convince funny. me how horrible my house was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it turns out that a building in distress is not actually hurting negotiations. If, if there's all. multiples on it, I guess the the problem becomes. What because 65 First has been trying to sell for a long time, and just to use them as an example because I don't know the ins and outs, it's been a very long time since I sold a home in that building. Um, but what if you don't get the buyer, the developer yeah, yeah, buy, the, and now you've let your building get into distress? That happened with Moet, they were trying to uh, solicit offers from people, people just weren't interested in it, and now they're like, okay, so now, yep, now we gotta do a lot of work, everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that one it doesn't have a designation for a lot of increased density, so there's not a lot of potential for increased. Can they value. do high rises at what? First Street? They can. Yeah, so that that's where it's a gold mine. the sellers win huge if yeah. they can put up. Yeah, so what towers. happened there was it sounded like um, the first go around on the market won. The market wasn't nearly as strong a couple years ago. Yeah, so it wasn't necessarily about the building being uh, having deferred maintenance, but it was just that the market wasn't as necessarily as aggressive. And two, the site wasn't really properly marketed for what its potential was. It was allowed to be considered sort of a less desirable site. Mm. And where it sits today, it isn't a very exciting piece of land. But once properly developed, and if you really look at its proximity to SkyTrain and its proximity to other parts of town, it's not a bad site once improved and modernized and, and developed, right? And it's going to have a really nice bridge to look at soon. It, yeah, but the bridge will be further up Rep River. It, it, it Ideally. introduces yeah, another really, very really. interesting variable to the investor client, too. Because a lot of these old buildings that were kind of in distress up until now, the advice has been, stay, stay away. away from this. You're going to get hit with a ton of assessments. It's a huge gamble. And But now all of a sudden there's this weird little lottery ticket where, well, if they can put a tower on it, you might actually win huge on these older buildings that are... Yeah, when they reach a point that there's just too much work for the owners to take on, yeah. they're quite happy to say, sure, give me an extra... You know, 30, 40% on my market value, it's a whole lot easier for you to give me that money, walk away from this problem, and go buy a home somewhere else. Yeah. Right? So uh, I, I, it hasn't uh, all formalized yet, so I'm just kind of hearing so talk it's to very a couple people, some though. bits and pieces that it is. The, the, the most intriguing part to me was that, yes, it's happening. Yes, there are multiple offers from developers. Mm-hmm. And this is recent, like in, in today's market. Yeah, I think the offers came in in the summer. One of the so b- right when it was starting to cool off, but still, it what that wasn't the insanity. Yeah, and they said that the developers were fully aware that the market was was yeah. softening. Yeah. I, I think part of it was related to um, some slow pre-sales activity at the second tower at uh, Pier West, right at, at the waterfront in New West. Yeah, so 
windups have been more prevalent in other communities. Um, so if you're listening and you think, oh, you know, I'm in a 70s building, there's been more in Coquitlam, more sort of definitely downtown Vancouver. So I think some of the West End, um, New West, uh, because we just released our new OCP about a year ago, yeah. people have been just sort of getting their heads around what it means for these sites that have greater future potential. You see it in Vancouver all the time. Although in, in Vancouver, there's enough chunks of land that their land use has been changed for houses to high rises. And I think the developers, even though the houses are so much bigger ticket items, they can really make a lot of money buying a big chunk of land. I mean, there are realtors in Vancouver who all they do is set up these little packages to sell to developers. Yeah, 8 to 12 houses at a yeah. time or something yeah. like that, right? And doing those assemblies. So assemblies are happening more and more and more. Uh, if you're in a home, it's either a detached house or you think it could be a land assembly or a strata that could end up in a strata windup, uh, the best advice that I have, having looked at it from a few different angles, is is to have a good collaborative cooperative approach within everybody involved you don't really want to end up with the situation of a dissenter yeah Um, you know you don't want a mutiny to happen you don't want to have a couple people who are on the outside and feel like they haven't been treated fairly because at some point they will frustrate the process they will cost everybody a lot of money maybe in the end because they feel they've been treated unfairly they want an extra share whatever it is the earlier everybody gets on the same page the more likely it actually is to happen and it will bring everybody a better outcome so if anybody's looking for more advice on that, you, you just want to bring in, there's a couple of different people you could talk to, but you can send your questions to us, feedback at morealestateshow.com, and we can help direct you to, to really understand how yeah. to look at that and navigate it without frustrating the process. Excellent. Well, I think that's probably going to do it for us today. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And if you enjoyed this, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us uh, be found by more people. And if you want to get in touch with Matt or Jeremy, they are at thenewwestguys.com. Uh, you can find me, Jeff, at realestatenewwest.com. Next episode, I think we're going to talk about all that marijuana implications that we were hinting at. And uh, that'll about do it. Thank you guys very much. So it's, I mean, it's no secret that we have a lot of Mexican restaurants in New West. Yeah. When did that happen? Because we didn't always. I think in the past, and I I think I want to say like the past couple of months, there's been like two new new ones. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of the same way that we got like all the bridal shops on Front or on Columbia Street. You're just like one day, what the well, hell once happened? A, once a couple of them start doing well, you're like, well, I, I could do one as well that would uh, attract traffic from th- what's going on. So because mm-hmm. I think we've had some success in Mexican, mm-hmm. it's getting press across the region. It says to somebody else, well, if I just open one around here, I'll get some of the spillover. That's we, a, that's we, a normal business. We practice. have good Mexican food at every price point, which is kind of cool. Anyway, what's your point, Jared? My point is that there's so many different kinds of burritos. Like for one like type of people, Mexican, um, they have there's there's like so many different kinds of burritos that that you can like. I feel like you could like we're a sushi. All of our sushi's kind of similar around town. There are so many types of sandwiches. Hmm. Yeah, how many ingredients can you put inside of a bread? 
how many ingredients. Um, I mean, sandwiches, yeah, I guess so. I guess there are different. Did, Maybe burritos haven't quite gotten the sandwich route. It was like a Mexican sandwich. No, they have tortas. They already have that, too. I'm pretty sure Jeff's point is that it is a Mexican sandwich. It's <laughs> ingredients. <laughs> it's a Mexican bread. sandwich is a Mexican sandwich. No, but there's it's, it's bread. I mean, a tortilla is a bread. It's a wrap. Okay, we'll wrap it up in some bread. Uh, so wrap up your thought here. Okay, uh, so there are a lot of burritos. Mex- so new Mexican restaurant, Saperton. Yeah. Oh, it's in Saperton. Good. Where? Not greasy. The burrito's still kind of round. I find sort of the other one around town, and I know this isn't a food block, but it's just it weighs on my heart. Um, the one kind of close by our office was getting a little greasy for me and a little like just sort of flat, anemic-looking things. Um, Are you talking about Playa? I'm not talking about anyone specifically. Playa is by our office. I like Playa. You think yeah. they not quite as as much? I, it? I, I'm not here to knock anyone's business around town. It's, okay. There's a time and a place for it. Okay, uh, not for knocking businesses, but for, <laughs> <laughs> for Playa. I mean, you guys just had it the other day for lunch, and and we still order from there. But yeah. I've just been really liking this one on Saperton, just because it's just different. okay. So instead it's, of it's instead subjective, of, totally subjective. Instead of the negative, what is it that makes Saperton so good? Like, why is this one? What stands out? They have this. It's called. I think the restaurant's called I Picante. I okay. I have to check that. My yeah. wife. My wife orders from the the app. The, the skip, skip the dishes. Skip the, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, they have like this. Hey, try to skip the skip the dishes. They take like twenty five percent of the bill. You can't skip. These guys don't even have a lot an of the option. places on their thing though. Don't um, my Indian restaurant got rid of? They had delivery and they just got. They're like, no, you can't call us. You have to go. To yeah, skip. a bunch like, of okay. my yeah that used to deliver didn't because while they're taking it, they're also not paying a delivery driver. Yeah, now they're not paying a delivery driver, which I think is bad too. Right? I think yeah. the whole concept is. I hate the concept. Yeah, but so I get I to watch up. on my phone as the car yeah. drives towards my house. I go, I go pick up instead. Yeah, and you know what happens? They screw up. They forget something. They forgot one of our. We've ordered from this Mexican place probably three times this week, which is probably a problem. <laughs> um, but no burrito, like missing a burrito, which was a kind of a big chunk of our dinner. Yeah, and we didn't have enough food at home for. Or didn't feel it like is super anything. annoying so, when they miss something. So yeah. you call the restaurant, nice enough guys. Like I don't like that's kind of between you and yeah. Because skip the I dishes, can't. just ordered food and yeah. then brought it to your house. It has nothing to do with the restaurant. Yeah, some, yeah. some kind of computer glitch. Something happened. Didn't get the full order. Whatever. Um, I can't call the delivery guy. I can't. There's no accountability there other than you skip can call the, skip the dishes. Yeah, we finally did get a hold of them, and they're, they're like, "Well, we'll just credit you," like because I don't want to go wait another sort of we're sitting down for dinner reading. Mm. Um, First world problems. This sounds so whiny. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's the evolution of where we're going we're with trying, ride sharing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But as far as supporting the businesses that we like, the profits, you want to keep them in-house. You want to support the businesses doing things well. The pizza guy who I like refuses to use Skip the Dishes. Good he for told him. me, he's like, no, I employ my drivers. They're here. They get paid. Yep. Um I know who they are. I know they do good quality, consistent work. They know the town, like that kind of stuff. You want a the, Big Mac the, delivered to your house? Then fill your boots, do your skip the dishes. The problem is they've designed a really good product. <laughs> I, I totally understand what you're saying, and I'm all about supporting You local like tipping business. before you even get the service? I like not calling the restaurant. Like, I don't even have to pick up the phone. I like that half the time when I call the restaurant and I order, it's really noisy and they can barely hear me and I have to repeat my order six times and they may or may not have heard or it. Or they put you on hold and all you can hear is background. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I love not having to remember whatever, like just passing the phone around to everybody who's ordering going boop, 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 boop. It, you know, like I, they have made it very convenient. What, they, what they've done is great. I, I do agree with you. I don't like tipping beforehand because then if it's late 
or whatnot, you're like, uh, I already did. Why did I pay for this? Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd love a little option that just asks you afterwards, would you like to add Yeah, when to they the arrive, tip? what have you earned from me? Yeah, but um, but they've designed a, a very good, very convenient product. Um, and I mean, a lot, a lot of my favorite restaurants don't deliver anymore because they, they're using Skip the Dishes. Yeah, and I guess a lot of them didn't yeah. have enough volume of delivery to justify... Yeah, like a full-time delivery driver to be on staff waiting for the phone to ring. Pizza guys are different. I mean, pizza delivery Pizza is... guys <laughs> are totally different, right? Yeah. Um, I just always look at it through the lens because my wife's family has a small business in town. I'm always just looking at it. How do we keep the profits in-house? Right. Right? And I just, from a lot of different angles, like I've talked to you guys about it before, when I shop at small businesses, usually I use a credit card for the points, but I don't use a credit card at small businesses. Mm-hmm. So they pay it's it. costing them money. Yeah, they have Stop to pay, doing they, it. They pay a fee. <laughs> a merchant fee to the to the terminal so i try to use cash or at least debit card because they have a much lower fee on, right. a, on a debit card so it's just things like that so that's where my mind always keeps rolling on this where I'm, i probably sacrifice some of my own convenience in the interest of i want these guys to make money because i mean some restaurants make a ton of money mm-hmm. and some of the other ones these smaller sort of holes in the wall yeah they just they just kind of make enough Especially if it's something that you frequent, like a guitar shop or something, for whatever you like to do, like board game shop. Sure. You, if you enjoy having that service close by yeah. and, and everything, then don't use Amazon because there's a good chance that that's going to go away. Yeah, I don't disagree. Now, the, the flip side is restaurants that couldn't afford to have a delivery guy. You, all now of you a can sudden, order delivery. Like, my favorite part about Skip the Dishes is ordering stuff that I couldn't order before there was Skip the Dishes. Right. And I'm not going to drive there. <laughs> when You know, you get home... You've been showing places all night. It's 8 o'clock. Everybody else in the family has eaten. You're like, I'm too tired. Oh, I can get random little thing that... Like a Whopper with cheese from Burger King. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the local Burger King establishment. The, the right. local... Yeah. No, yeah. J- Jer's really supporting <laughs> shop local. <laughs> but I, I do hear what you're saying. Yeah. Now. and yeah. But that's, that brings a whole new layer to it, that's right? A good, that's point, a good point. You know, yeah. stuff that you otherwise couldn't get before. And it's opened doors probably for these guys. Or maybe there's an opportunity yeah. for, for profits and sales that weren't there before. So maybe it's good for the really little guy. But the guy who's a little bit bigger but not big yet, it it would be better if you could just support him directly. Like, yeah, it's there's levels. Yeah, it's a bit <laughs> of a mental exercise to try to figure out like how they make the most money. Sometimes I just yeah. ask them, I'm like, what's the best way for me to shop here so you for you to make money? Yeah, what what makes you profit? Yeah, you know, or you use <laughs> skip the dishes, but you just order more than you normally would. <laughs> <laughs> Just even getting outside of restaurants, right? Yeah. You know, everything. Totally. I, I want brick and mortar stores to exist. Oh, I yeah. I want them to stay. I want them to be profitable. Now, they've got to step up their game and make sure that they're delivering something of value. But when we go there and we buy something, we shouldn't be trying to grind them down to the point that there's no profit in it for them. Yeah, I agree. There's a balance in there somewhere. Please don't go away, little stores. 